Welcome to the Mouthy IP Podcast, where we discuss infection prevention for the busy dental profession. The Mouthy IP Podcast is created by Nebraska ICAP, Infection Control Assessment and Promotion Program, and is funded by the Nebraska DHHS HAI team via a CDC grant. Each podcast features experts discussing current infection prevention topics and answers to questions asked by dental professionals from Nebraska. Welcome to the latest Mouthy IP, our first of 2023. Today, we are fortunate to be combined with a, a great group of folks. We've got Sarah Stream, we've got Dr. Richard Hankins, we've got Kate Tyner, and me. I'm Dan. Nice to have you. Sarah, what exciting things do we have to talk about today? Oh my gosh, I'm just so excited. And this is our first episode of 2023. And I want to first apologize to everybody and thank you for being patient with us. I know it's been a minute since we had an episode come out, but you know, holidays and we're all busy people. So um, we're happy that you're still listening to the podcast. So today we wanted to chat a little bit um, about what we call an ICAR. So and ICAR, is, it stands for Infection Control Assessment and Response. And this is an assessment that we do on infection control policies and practices. And before I joined this team, when I was practicing clinically, I had never heard of an ICAR before. So um, it's something that we do regularly as a team. And I wanted to kind of introduce the dental community to um, this process that we do and hopefully inspire everyone out there to do their own assessment. That's, I think it's a really fun topic, Sarah, and I'm up your attention um, to what is an ICAR and it, it was new to you in practice. And I think like, um, from my perspective, there's some very recent history on this um, and where ICARs came to be. And so for the listeners, we have to remember public health programs. When we think of public health, we often think of public health interfacing with the public in restaurants, maybe through food safety, maybe daycare, things like that, um, maybe licensure for bigger facilities. Honestly, before 2015, the, the health departments weren't necessarily looking at healthcare facilities. The idea was the healthcare facilities look at their own programs and they run their own show. But then in 2014, Ebola happened. And the CDC really had a rude awakening with the rest of us that a lot of healthcare facilities hadn't invested in infection control, weren't trained in infection control, and were not ready for something of that magnitude. And so there was funding that was, it's a, it was a supplement that came out in 2015 where they asked CDC to the health departments, we're going to give you some additional funding. Can you go into healthcare facilities and see how they're doing on infection control? with the idea it's not licensure, it's not somebody coming to slap your hand or shame you or like to take away your credentialing. The idea is, hey, how are we doing? To have like more of a partnership or a collaboratory relationship with the health department, just to work together on infection control, similar to what you would do with a daycare or a school, something like that. And so um, Nebraska, like many states, that's the the first time that the state health department was like, okay, how can we do this? And so in Nebraska, we 
our system is called ICAP. That's the team who does these infection control assessments. But what also came out at that time was a tool, was a structured form that said, what should we look at? Prior to 2015, there really wasn't um, a widely accepted kind of point by point form of what should we look at in healthcare? And so we gained ground. We looked at hospitals first, and then we looked at clinics and long-term care facilities. And it, I hope like as some of the people in Nebraska know, dental was kind of the final frontier. It came later in Nebraska because there wasn't one of those tools for dental, but we said, hey, we would love to help them. So let's create a tool. And that's how we came to be. And we really came on the scene like in 2019 is when we first started doing these um, structured assessments that are collaboratory and friendly um, with facilities. And so, Kay, when you say a tool, you mean iCARS, is that correct? When I say a tool, like an iCAR, like it would be like Kleenex versus puffs on like on facial tissue, right? So when you talk about a program assessment, um, there's lots of different like gap analysis tools. The ICAR form, like the branded ICAR, that was the CDC tool that came out and really defined it was a big step forward, I think, in a structured approach. It's not the only way to do it, but it's, I think, a really nice, widely accepted tool to work from. Is that I what try. you're asking? Uh, well, you kept on saying tool, so I just want to make sure that I'm just thinking of it as like you're referring to an ICAR. And that kind of answered my second question. I was going to ask, so the CDC came out with this, not ICAP. You are correct. So okay. the CDC, and there was different types of tools for different types of healthcare facilities. ICAP did create the dental tool that we're using based on some other CDC tools. But when you say like a tool, like it's like a paper form that we come and it guides us. It's not the only way to do an assessment. And so I think one of the things was does ICAP have to be the one to do an assessment or could a facility do an assessment on their own? And I think that was one of the questions Sarah wanted to know. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, well, like I said, prior to me coming onto this team, it was not anything that I ever thought about. Um, you know, I know OSHA requires that you do an annual review of your policies and all that fun stuff, but a lot of infection control goes so far beyond that checklist. So um, doing this ICAR or assessment, um, even a self-assessment, can be a really great teaching tool and learning tool for your facility, um, and then doing them regularly also. So, you know, doing it on a yearly basis, and you can start to identify trends uh, where maybe you are uh, lacking in some areas or you need to provide education to staff. And it's just really a good um, objective look at what you have going on for your infection control program. So we have listeners right now saying, okay, so an ICAR is a tool, ICARs, but we haven't really kind of discussed really how it's organized and that, you know, there are multiple domains within the ICAR. Um, subjects, if you're uh, areas. And then there are questions within each of those domains. And the whole objective is really to objectively and honestly answer these questions and then have an expert evaluate those responses 
versus what should be in place. And that's where you find the gap. Is that kind of a summary of that? It is. So, so as an example, can, can we, uh, let's reference one domain that might be of interest and a couple of questions so that the listeners might have um, a kind of an understanding of what we would want to go through. Sure. And so for anyone listening out there, I'm a huge fan of apps, like for your iPad, love them. The CDC has a great tool for dental facilities. It's called the Dental Check app. So you can download that. Um, it is kind of what we based our iCard tool on. So it's very similar, asks the same types of questions. It's broken up into those domains as well. But you can do a self-assessment on your iPad just by answering yes, no questions. So if we take, um, let's take the domain on sterilization and disinfection of instruments. Um, the way we have our iCard broken up, it's in, um, we have two separate ICAR forms, one for policy and procedure, and then one for direct observation. So the policy and procedure part of it, you would answer questions like, um, do you provide education for your staff regarding sterilization and disinfection? Are, are you tracking their competency? So competency is different than education. We want them to do a teach back so we know that they're competent in those processes. Are you using FDA cleared medical devices like your sterilizers? So you go through this list of questions, answer yes, no, and then um, you can get some feedback off that. The direct observation tool then can be used um, when you're walking around your facility. So it asks questions like, um, are you labeling your pouches, your sterilization pouches? So they should have the date and sterilizer number on them at least. Um, you can answer yes or no. If you're not, you should be. And now we have kind of an action item that we can do. Okay, so one, one question I have is I'm hearing all of this. So someone, Sarah, I think you mentioned like facilities possibly doing this on their own. Mm -hmm. And then Dan mentioned that, uh, so when you're doing an when you're doing an iCar, you're filling out the form, you're going through the domains, you're putting in your responses, and then you're having an expert review the responses. That doesn't sound like you could do that yourself. Is that correct? So I think you're right. Um, you could do it, and it depends maybe on the experience level of the person who's doing the form. Um, how comfortable you are with the content, that if you check yes on all the items, um, yes, we believe those things are truly in place. I think you would encourage anybody who's doing a self-assessment to not be generous, right? If you think there's a gap or you don't understand the question, that's a time to step back, right? Um, so it, I'm terribly biased because we go and we do these ICAR assessments all the time. I think it is very valuable to have an outside set of eyes and a person who can just fill in the gaps of, okay, I see how this question is worded, but I don't know if I totally understand. Um, mm. I think it's really valuable to have a second set of eyes. Um, in a world that before ICAP, before CDC was funding these ICAR assessments, that would usually be a paid consultant to 
come into the facility and work with them through the process. In this case, in almost all states, there's a HAI AR program that can serve as that backup. Maybe even if it's just to answer some of the questions, like I'm looking at this, what do you think it means? Mm -hmm. And Kate, I'm sure there's um, facilities that are out there that have consultants that come out and will give them presentations and do mm-hmm. assessments of different types and, and the like. Um, but what's different than that is most of these other consultants are in it to win business yeah. and to profit. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas here, uh, ICAP, as an example, uh, we're not in this to to uh, make a profit or even to charge for these services. Um, our objective is to do an assessment and help the facility understand where it can um, improve uh, their their patient safety and and the like. I think you're absolutely right, Dan. And um, you think about um, a person who's vulnerable, like they've been assigned a task and they don't know all the pieces and parts. In an ideal world, yeah, you would have somebody who can help them for free, right? Not every practice is going to be able to afford a consultant. So in that case, it it's ideal that you can call somebody up who's not out there to shame you or isn't out there to get you in trouble or win your business um, to help you identify where are some gaps and help train you up. And that's, I think we've seen that's a big part of COVID. We know that people have really, I think, taken stock of where they're working and why they're working. There's been so much shift and turnover in staff. I imagine a lot of listeners are people who are new to their position. It's the ideal time to reach out and say, hey, I'm new to this. Help me out. Um, that, But I think like, yes, it's nice to have that consultancy, but say you want to pull the checklist and look at it first. You know, do I want to maybe correct some things? And I I don't, I'm not ready for a second set of eyes. That's okay too. I think there is what I would argue, don't let great be the enemy of good, right? It would be very good to do a gap analysis in your program. And I heartily recommend that facilities really look at that kind of point by point, what should infection control include? That's very good. But it's even nicer if you can have somebody come in and kind of help you with another set of eyes. Um, to identify where there might be a gap. And then it's all cream cheese if they can help you address those problems as they're identified. So you mentioned the HAIAR programs in the state. So if we have listeners outside of Nebraska, um, which I'm sure there are probably a few, not every state has a dental support program like Nebraska. Correct. So we, we, we have dental specialists that just kind of focus in that area. But if you are in a state that doesn't have a dental program, they should still have a state infection preventionist that can help you with questions. Exactly. And so really, like, and this is a great new thing since 2015 to 2017, whereas in the olden days, your local health department might have an epidemiologist or your state health department will have an epidemiologist, somebody who's great at like the transmission of diseases. What's come new since that time is people who do that in healthcare. So people who can answer pretty specific questions about sterilization, for example, Um, very specific to people working in healthcare. And every state has a program that is for healthcare acquired infections and antibiotic resistance. Every state has that. It's just a matter of 
will you encounter somebody who has some experience in dental? Um, but a lot of the questions I would encourage folks in those states, go ahead and ask, because some of these questions are ubiquitous to healthcare. If we have a question about sterilization, sterilization is it's the same from here to there and everywhere. Um, personal protective equipment, N95 respirators, for example, that's something that anybody working in healthcare epidemiology, they're going to be able to help you with that. So I would at least give your state the chance um, to help engage on that, either your local health department or your state health department. Did you have something you wanted to say, Dr. Hankins? Okay. No. Nope. Um, <laughs> I think another great reason to reach out to your local or state health department is we can start identifying that there is a need for this service in dentistry, right? Agreed. We've kind of identified it at the ICAP level in Nebraska, mm -hmm. but I know there are a lot of other states that are trying to start a dental program right. and um, they're just not sure of the need. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you call in with these proactive questions and ask the IPs, they'll start making notes and telling the CDC, we have interest in the dental mm -hmm. community. And that will help build a stronger support system in the future for dental facilities. I completely agree. Completely agree. Um, yeah, um, I think what we've noticed is that there's a definite need, but it's uh, how how do we insert ourselves into a area that we haven't been before? Like how how do people utilize us when they've never utilized us in the past? And so. Mm -hmm. oh. Well, and I, it, I, I can at least admit from our learning experience, um, it is, uh, it's scary to be asked a question about an environment that you're not used to practicing in, right? None of us as healthcare workers want to send another healthcare worker down a bad road or not be able to address their question. But if you give those people the grace of like, have you seen this? Are you used to anything like this? and had the conversation, I think what I've learned is there's so much commonality between the environments. It's at least worth the conversation um, that, you know, in building those relationships. Um, even if it's like, gosh, I have a person who whose kids have head, hand, foot, and mouth disease. Uh, should I have them come to work? That's definitely something that your local health department could help you with. Um, and from our perspective, when you're doing that gap analysis, do your policies and procedures, do you have everything you need to make those decisions? You know, and the glory of working with a team that's used to that, we can send you the CDC reference. Um, and so I think one of the other, we've talked a lot about like, is it possible to get started to try it yourself? What do you do when you find gaps? Or what do you do if you go through the checklist and you find a lot of things that you think aren't quite up to snuff? Where would you start, Sarah? That can be a really daunting task because I'll I'll tell everyone right now that CDC Dental Check app, there is a lot of information in there. So I think if you're going to start on your own, start with one domain at a time. Like maybe this month we're gonna focus on the PPE domain. Yep. And we'll we'll look at our PPE practices, our supplies, all of those fun things. And then you can wrap your mind around what we need to tackle with PPE. Um, get buy-in from your dentist. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be the, the 
biggest support you can get is getting buy-in from your dentist. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of times, um, I, I hear it over and over again. Well, this is the way we've always done it. Mm-hmm. But things get updated in healthcare frequently. Mm-hmm. And having that CDC tool, um, it also has references in it for all of their domains. Mm-hmm. You can take that to your doctor and say, well, they've updated this recommendation. Mm-hmm. We should update to be uh, you know, most current and best practice. So when I hear things like, this is how we've always done it. I always think to myself, if it wasn't how you always did it, is that how you would start doing it today? That's a great question. That's a great question. Um, and a good place to start. I think um, your method, Sarah, of kind of addressing one domain at a time, I think is fantastic. And further, um, maybe a question came up in a staff meeting. And maybe you have to look up something anyways, and that lends itself to that part of the dental checklist where you can kind of go and look at related questions. Can I get the answer to what people are interested in? And can I help now? Because I think I can't overstate enough how important it is to have little success. Um, You know, as a person who's been doing infection control for a long time, um, if you would have hit me with an impossible problem on my first day of being an IP, that would have made me not want to do my job very much. But a little success where I can answer somebody's question and solve a problem, um, that gives me a little more confidence for the next question. Um, And I think the same goes for like, as you adjust practices, adjust policies, or kind of have that question with the leadership in your facility or the dentist, little success goes a long way towards building trust and giving you confidence to maybe attack bigger problems. So I think I agree. Starting small, I think can be very powerful. And starting small, let's say a facility wants to dip their toes in and they download uh, a tool and they start reviewing and they start making iterative improvements. And um, let's say then that they've gotten to a place where they are more confident in what they're doing. if they want to take it to the next level and have experts uh, complete an assessment, what what would they do? Where do they go? Who are they going to call? Who are they going to call? In Nebraska, they're going to call ICAP. (laughs) In other states, um, I think you would, in Nebraska, it's Nebraska ICAP. You, You know, that's a, you can Google Nebraska ICAP and get our contact information. If you're already listening to the podcast, you know how to find our information. In other states, I think you would, um, what, and I've looked up other states, you know, sometimes we get questions from out state and I just Google like California, H-A-I-A-R, and you can usually get an email inbox and you can ask, hey, are there resources um, to do proactive assessments in dental? Um, Something like that, it would be a a nice way to, or um, a question came up and I haven't been able to find the answer. You can send it to those mailboxes as well. Absolutely. And if you really are are looking to like have a consultant come in, I'm sure you can find those in your state as well. Are there particular organizations, Sarah, that like you would say, hey, try to have your person be accredited by XYZ so that it's not like a fly by night organization? There really aren't 
um, there really aren't any organizations that do accrediting for dental consultants. Mm -hmm. There is a new certification out there that is uh, it's CDIPC, so Certified in Dental Infection Prevention and Control. And um, some consultants, if they're specifically targeting infection control, that's a great certification for them to have. Um, some organizations do offer dental consulting. I know APIC does on a, on a, some level, offers mm -hmm. dental consulting. Um, OSAP also has a list of consultants on their website, and mm -hmm. they're all over the country. So those would be two great places to start. That sounds great. So we've talked about what an ICAR is, how people might do their own assessment, um, where they can start and maybe how they start solving problems. With that, I think we've had a great episode. Do you guys have any further comments? Oh, call us if you're in Nebraska. We would love to. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I, I do have one other comment. So one thing that um, uh, some facilities and individuals, even when they're doing assessments and they're really trying to be introspective and understand their strengths and their weaknesses, that's great. However, they certainly don't want to know and everyone else to know what their strengths and weaknesses are. Um, what about confidentiality? Sure. In Nebraska, I can say like that, um, not only are we all people who are HIPAA trained um, and like we've really value that, um, I would say the mantra of our group is the importance of solving a problem in a practice. My main accountability is to the people in charge of that practice. It's not going to do me any good to go and tell other people about it. I need to tell the people in charge of the practice so that they are empowered to make those choices and to fix those problems. Um, in our state, uh, we've been in over 150 facilities, not just dental, you know, and that, that confidentiality is very, very important because we feel like if we were to have a breach of trust like that, it would be difficult for other facilities to invite us for a proactive assessment. And so I believe that other HAI programs are very much the same way. Um, but that it's a very reasonable question to ask um, if you're considering an assessment. And I think any HAI team would be prepared to answer that. I'm always thankful for the interaction and how much I learn from the others on this call and uh, on this podcast. So uh, thanks for uh, everyone for listening. And uh, we look forward to having you hear us again uh, in the near future. Thank you for spending time with us learning about infection prevention and control in the dental setting. If you have questions you would like the team to chat about, feel free to call our ICAP Infection Control Hotline at 402-552-2881 or visit our website at icap.nebraskamed.com. Look for our next Mouthy IP podcast episode and don't forget to stay chatty about infection control in your office. 